listeners far and wide around the world on Global Radio. Welcome back to Stillwater America and the Pastors of Pain Show. I'm Father Global. We mean you're on this side of the Cimarron River. Really? Hey, what? That's that's global. What about New Zealand? It's Payne County Global. What about New Zealand? We don't care about. I don't care about anyone who doesn't live in Payne County. Really? Even people that live upside down. I don't care about any of them. The, New Zealand. They live not, upside down. Not one of them. Their hair is standing on their heads all the time. The only people I care about are in Payne County. Wow. And my parents and my family. Wow. They some, live in Houston. And I'll, and some friends who live in other places. Whoa. The people in Tulsa. We're glad now, you're with you us. Hey, welcome back to another installment of this great uh, podcast and radio show great. on PDF. By great, we mean average. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Father Kerry Wakulich, pastor of St. John Catholic Student Center on the corner of Miller and Knobloch, right next to the foosball stadium. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, football stadium. (laughs) Yes. I wish you should have a foosball team. We should. That'd be amazing. I'm Father Brian O'Brien. I'm the pastor of St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church uh, here in uh, wonderful Stillwater. We're at 711 North Country Club Road. Uh... You can find us just a little west of town. Uh, you we're, can find us on the internet uh, and on on the um, also on the social media. I believe that's what the kids are calling it these the. days. <laughs> uh, so we were uh, the, the last two episodes. I don't think we've in our in our illustrious history of one year, sixty plus episodes. One year and three months of uh, this prolific podcast. <laughs> uh, usually, we kind of take a topic. We exhaust right. that topic, sort of. The, the, the Holy Trinity, we exhausted. We exhausted the, the Holy Trinity, <laughs> and then we move on to some other topic. But uh, going back sort of two weeks now, there was this survey that came out of American Catholics that said that a lot of American Catholics don't believe or don't know what the church no teaches about, no day. about the Eucharist. Right. So as Catholics, well, we, we believe that the Eucharist, the, the body, blood, soul, and divinity, the bread and wine transformed into the flesh and the blood of Jesus at the Mass, that the Eucharist is the source and the summit of Whoa. the Christian faith that is central to the life of a Christian. And yet, for a lot of our, a lot of our people, it's, it's, it's not that way. And so we have a job to do. So as, as your pastors, we thought, well, we need to dedicate some some time to this. So the last couple episodes, we've, we've done kind of a great deal of teaching right. on the Old Testament, the New Testament, the early church fathers. We read for some from the catechism. Liturgical practices. Um, but yeah. then there's this the other aspect of, the, of all of this. So there's sort of the, the, the book knowledge of what, what we know. Mm-hmm. But then there's like the practice of it. Um, you were reading, you read the other day, uh, uh, St. John Paul II, he wrote uh, uh, this is and this is a great resource if you're interested in knowing more about the Eucharist. Uh, John Paul II wrote uh, a, a document, an encyclical. Yeah, the encyclical on the Eucharist, and there's that line from it: a Eucharistic amazement. That's what he wants to restore. Trying to rekindle. Yeah, fire it back up. A Eucharistic yeah. amazement, and so that means if he wants to restore a Eucharistic amazement, that means there wasn't when he wrote it. Yeah. That, like it was, it was absolutely. And you would say maybe was there ever, or know, has or, there ever been um, the the this sort of uh, uh, devotion around the Eucharist as strong as it could be and should be? And I would say probably never. But we've had high points in the church, 
and we need to we need to get back to those. Well, when an encyclical is written, it's written to the entire church. So it's you know Africa, South Central America, Europe, Asia, all over the place that people all in every diocese around the world in every country they they need eucharistic amazement so there are places where that there is eucharistic amazement and people like go to eucharistic adoration all night go to mass very frequently yes. and when you ask them do you believe that the bread and wine you receive at mass is just a symbol they would be like no it's the body blood soul and divinity of Jesus Christ come on and yeah. so they have that Eucharistic amendment, and then the person sitting next to them may not. So w- w- our, our job as pastors is to, to help you understand that, help you understand the beauty of the Eucharist. Uh, we, at one point in time, you and I said w- we didn't leave jobs and life uh, to hand out bread and wine, yeah. but to hand out the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Take that. You know, one, one of the things I love when I do teaching masses for the college students— Tell us. What's I, a teaching mass? A teaching mass is where I'll take three to five minutes before mass begins and walk them through a part of the liturgy once a month. Second Sunday of the month, we have you know brunch, uh, after mass, and then I do a teaching mass. And one of the things is I, I bring out the box, the plastic bag that the hosts come in. And I said, this is how we treat these hosts. You know, host meaning victim, hostie. We take these little pieces of round bread. We send them in a box. They arrive. I open up the bag, and I put them into a gold ciborium. And then when we're done, we put them in a $10,000 gold tabernacle. Like, when the, when the person from UPS delivers, the guy shows up, and he's like, here you go. I don't, like, yeah. fall down on my knees and, like, kiss the, the holy, box. The holy box of hosts is here. And he's like, whoa, this guy's weird. But what do we do when we, after the consecration, we, we kneel down and worship? Yep. And so there are these physical things that we do that make the mind say, there's something about this that's not just bread and wine, but it looks like bread, it smells like bread, it scratches like bread, it looks like wine, it smells like wine, but it's really the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. And that's what, you know, the Lord was that way. He looked like a man. He smelled like a man. He acted like a man. He spoke like a man, but he was also a divine, a divine man. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So we were talking about like just the, the sort of the practice of it all, um, and I heard this great uh, Bishop Barron. I, I listen to Bishop Barron every week. Uh, bishop Robert Barron is the auxiliary bishop out in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, and he's got a ministry called Word on Fire. So they do a lot in print and a lot of podcasts and stuff like that. So he was kind of kind of like we were, sort of responding to this Pew survey. Did you just put us on the same level with him? Yeah! Uh, we have uh, about 500 listeners a week, and he probably has 100,000. Oh, yeah. So no. So, so we're not. Uh, he's also a bishop, and we're, and we're, uh, we're lowly. Lowly priest out here priests. in Payne County awesomeness. Uh, he's also a lot smarter than we are combined. Oh. <laughs> anyway, what did he say? Anyway. He was what saying he say that so smart for us. He was to talking learn? about how, you know, how do we learn about the Eucharist? How do we gain reverence for the Eucharist? And he said that you know there there's there's certainly things you can learn. So we've been talking about the Old Testament, New Testament, the Didache, the early Church Fathers, and all of that stuff. You know, how do we how do we know? But but he said go back to when you were when you were a kid. How did you first know about the Eucharist? If you if you talk to a five year old about the Eucharist, um, they probably will not explain in in the words that Thomas Aquinas would use. But but what they would be able to do is tell you 
that the Eucharist is something that's very important because they've seen their priests, their parents, other parishioners, when they walk into a church, they genuflect towards this gold box. They, they, they couldn't articulate it, but they know that something special is in there. That's where that f- their Eucharistic amazement mm. comes from. So I know I can do a better job of of when I'm in when I'm in the church. Sometimes I think as priests, it, we, I, I know I certainly can. I'll just speak for myself. You can get a little casual because I'm in the church all the time, all day, in and out. Uh, sometimes I'm going to pray. Sometimes I just for, I left my phone in the sacristy, you know. But when I go into the church, am I giving reverence to what is there? Hmm. Uh, and I would say most of the time, yes, but I, but I can do better. And I think this is a challenge to, to parents and parishioners alike Correct. To, to be a good example. Uh, is, do we really believe that, that in the tabernacle is someone who is alive? Oh, you said someone who is alive. Yeah. That's that line from Seven Secrets of the Eucharist. He says, you know, Vinnie Flynn says, the Eucharist is alive. It's alive. Yep. And we don't. What, what was what did Bishop Barron say about like feeding people is like we don't feed what is it? well we don't yeah we don't feed dead horses this is in relation to kind of the and this is the the other part of it of this Eucharistic amazement that we're receiving the Eucharist worthily so some people get after us as Catholics right for that we have what what would be called closed communion that not everybody can yeah. or should receive sure. Holy Communion. But there's two aspects of that that a lot of people don't know. So there's one is, like, if you're not a Catholic, you should not receive Holy Communion. And that because that's because you don't—and maybe we can talk about this a little bit. You know, if you, So you're Catholic, and you bring your, your, your Methodist friend with you to, to the Catholic Mass. Right. You would tell your Methodist friend, hey, when, when, when this group of people get up to go up there, like, don't, don't receive— and that can come across as kind of like rude. That's Correct. not very welcoming, yeah. oh, you yeah. know. But we say we have very sp- specific reasons for that because as a Methodist or whoever you are, if you're not a Catholic, you don't believe what we believe. We don't think we're better than you, but we don't believe the same thing. Mm-hmm. Correct. And so when, when you walk up to receive Holy Communion and the, 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 the priest says, the body of Christ— and your response, every person, Amen. The response I is believe. Amen, which means I believe. If you don't believe that, then don't then don't come up. Correct. So then some people would say, Well, I do, I do believe. I do believe it's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. So I'm gonna go up. And they're a Methodist. We would say, No, because you're not a Catholic. But but I believe that it is. Well then become a Catholic. Correct. It's also with that is the other side about the reception worthily of the Eucharist. Yeah, so this applies so to the Catholics. The Catholics, too. So yes. then you could, you could take another angle of that and say, the Catholic, if I'm not prepared to receive Holy Communion, then I shouldn't. If I'm in the state of mortal sin or I've got some vengeance I'm holding against another person or I'm, we talked about missing Sunday Mass, if I haven't prepared myself for the Eucharist, I'm just going to go up there casually and receive it. And what we're supposed to be doing is preparing ourselves 
by living out holy lives throughout the week and making making time to go to the sacrament of confession, which more priests need to open up the the hours. Oh, oh, Father oh, oh, boom! So Father Carey's calling out priests. I mean, we have a difficulty with Eucharistic amazement and love for the Eucharist and people not being prepared for Holy Communion. And then we offer 30 minutes of confession one time a week. That's, that's bull honky. If you want your people to be prepared for the Holy Eucharist and you want them to be partakers of the divine life of God, then you have to offer, every priest has to offer, you know, what do we have, like nine hours a week in Stillwater? There's a lot. Yeah. And the, are and they full? more yes. coming. Because we got Father Robert Duck in the house. Why, why do we do that? Because we want people to eat and drink divine life. Because if we are dead in sin, then this food is not going to help yeah, us. Yeah, so the sacraments, so this, this was Bishop Barron's point. The sacraments are for the living. And so when somebody says, well, what, what's the big deal? I have mortal, I have mortal sin, and uh, so don't, I need to receive communion. The, the communion will help me, even though I have this mortal sin. And Bishop Barron said, well, you don't, if, you, if someone's dead, you don't give them food. You don't feed a dead horse. You don't feed dead people. Um, yeah. you, you, try to, you try to bring them back to life. And so in, the, in, in our tradition, what, what brings somebody back from mortal sin? The mortal meaning confession. deadly. Yeah, the sacrament know. of confession. How, yeah, how, how is sin forgiven? Cleaning out the soul. Is forgiven in in the confession. Yeah, and so if there's if you have mortal sin, uh, to to confess it, and bring it, and to receive that forgiveness, and be brought back to life. Amen, bro. Lazarus, come out. You know, little girl, I tell you, get up, arise. Uh, Jesus does that all the time, and he and he's still and he's still doing it, bringing people back from the dead, people who are in mortal sin, and so. Not only then, you know, when we, when we that, again, to your point, kind of bringing back that Eucharistic amazement, part of it is for the Catholics to receive the Eucharist worthily. Um, now, in, in, many, in one way, none of us are worthy, ever. Correct. But we're especially unworthy when we're aware of, of mortal sin in our life, and we have an opportunity and an obligation to confess it. And I think what you'll find, for those of you, maybe you're listening and you're, it's been a while since you've been to confession, or you're aware of mortal sin, but you haven't really done anything about it, there will be a difference. Oh, After yes. you go to confession and receive Holy Communion, the graces are, are very real, and we, we feel them and we experience them, and they're not to be discounted. 100%. I, I remember going to confession the first time in like five, four, probably four or five years at boot camp at Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio. And I got, basically got rid of the, uh, I may die, so I'm going to make sure I get these off the, off the chest sort of confessions. And then I probably didn't go for another like two or three years after oh. that because I, I never found an opportunity to go. I always wanted to go. But then maybe I didn't want to go also because, you know, just living in sin or whatever. And, and, and I remember going on one occasion at Langley Air Force Base in Virginia and feeling this moment where it's like something is about to change. And then when I moved to New York, to, well, I moved to Colorado. I used to go, you know, I tried to go once a month and then moved to New York and would go like a couple times a week or a couple times a month. And the restoration of the heart, mind, soul, desires, and joy 
are like no other when you come out of the sacrament of confession. It's That's so why we good. make it so frequent. We it's make it so, so frequent for, for people because both Father Brian and I know, we know that it's good for us. And Father Robert. And Father Robert. Our new priest. Yes. So the, the, for, for all Catholics, we have to make sure that the sacrament of confession and the Holy Eucharist are joined together to prepare ourselves for what we are going to eat and going to drink. So in the, uh, in the Catechism, there's a whole section uh, starting at paragraph 1391 on the fruits of Holy Communion. Ooh, go on. So I'll, just, I'll give you just a little summary. You can go, you can go and read it. So fruits catechism fruits meaning benefits? Fruits. What does it, yeah, what does it do? You know, what, okay. does, it, what does it bring about? Hit it. As, as a plant, you know, produces fruit. So it, it, it strengthens our, our union with Christ. I'm just reading this kind of as we go here. Uh, you know, it, it, fe- it feeds us. It gives us the Holy Spirit. It separates us from sin. Ooh, nice. How about that? Okay. Uh, it wipes away venial sins. Checkmate. That's amazing. Uh, it preserves us from future mortal sins. Well, So it's, it's preventative. It's that food for the journey that gets us going in the right direction. Uh, it makes us the church. It bonds us more closely to the church. To the body of Christ. It commits us to the poor. What? Oh. 1397. To receive in truth the body and blood of Christ given up for us, we must recognize Christ in the poorest, his brethren. Got it. Love it. Uh, it unifies Christians. You would, some, I think some people would say, no, it doesn't. It, it divides Christians because not everybody can receive. But anyway, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's this pledge of future glory. Anyway, there's so much there in the in the catechism that is so gloriously uh, wonderful indeed. So we got We're trying to revise, revive this, rekindle this this Eucharistic amazement yeah. that we not take it for granted. And I think that's maybe our issue for a lot of people. Yeah, it, they just take it for granted. It's readily available. You can you can, and priests can do it too. We oh, just get so casual. A without it's, a doubt. What's a good casual? I was talking to a, a student, and they worked uh, on on bombs. Like he, it was an EOD guy, and I said, "Do you ever get so like casual with a bomb? Like you've you've disposed of a landmine forty times, you've blown up a five hundred pound bomb a hundred times, you've run metal detectors and dogs, and you've done all this. You've made C four shaped charges to blow up a steel door." He's like, "No." Never, I never get casual with never it. Never casual. I'm like, yeah. well, why? Yeah. He says, <laughs> he goes, well, if you get casual with it, your life is over. Yeah. You forget something very simple. It's, uh, I was flying with a, a NASA pilot one time on his, one of his training flights, and he pulled out this checklist, and he said, every item on this checklist costs somebody their life. And I said, That's oh, why it's on the checklist. I was <laughs> like, why are you opening the carburetor heater? And he's like, so it costs somebody their life. So we, we, in a lot of things, we don't get very casual. You know, with auto drive cars, we're going to get really casual just driving down the road. I can't wait. Texting and driving, getting really casual, just like being, Ooh. you know, it's like NASCAR on the, on the Houston highway, and we're like texting and driving. The Eucharist is something we can't, as priests especially, we can't get casual with. This is one of the reasons, and, and this, this will sound funny, but like I, I had been telling some people recently being being solo at the parish as you are as well when I when I was before Father Robert came. There's we have four Sunday masses, so we have a Saturday night and then three masses on Sunday. I was at a point, and I say this 
here, here the whole thing where I wasn't really looking forward to Sunday. Now you think I'm a priest, like Sunday should be the day. But I was coming into Sunday thinking, all right, you got, you got a battle, <coughs> O'Brien. You got, you got these three masses. Uh, and, and, and people don't know this a lot of times. That celebrating mass is, and I'm not, it's not a pity party, but like it's harder than it looks. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot of energy that goes into it. Preaching, but even, even if you're not preaching, you're just to, to preside. There's, a, there's things going on. You're thinking of, what, of what's coming next. You're trying to be attentive to, to the Eucharistic species. You're praying you. for people? You're praying, and people are going through your mind. And, and so to do that, so actually the church in her, in, her, in her law, in canon law, says that really a priest should celebrate Mass once a day. And twice on Sundays? And, and, twi- and like twice if totally necessary. On a Sunday. Yes. And so when you have th- when you have three, and I say this, if there's any priests listening, there are priests who do a lot more than that. Thirteen at St. Thomas More in East Tulsa. A lot bigger parishes. <laughs> but if you have on a on a weekend, if yeah. I have a Saturday morning mass and a wedding, and then Saturday night mass, and then three masses on Sunday, that's six masses in a weekend. It can add up. And what what happens is you start to take it for granted, and you start to like okay here like here we go again. All right, let's fire. You know, let's try to get fired up for these people, <laughs> and that's not good. No, that's not good. And so, one of the blessings of having of, of Father Robert Duck being here now um, is that it 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 you're celeb- And this is going to sound funny, but I'm celebrating Mass less. Congratulations! Put her there, which brother. you'd think like, well, well, that doesn't sound like a good thing for a priest, but it, but it is because now, I mean, I've noticed it already. Like when I'm celebrating Mass. Uh-huh. I'm not I'm thinking about and praying through that mass. I'm not thinking, oh man. All right, we got two more, two more after this. I'm not thinking about my energy level. Or I'm not thinking about I'm I'm thinking about celebrating that mass and really oh. concentrating and, and reviving in myself the that Eucharistic, Eucharistic amazement. The other side of that is you got a priest hearing confessions during mass. So you you don't have to go out of the church and people are like, "Father, I heard what you said." And now uh, I want to go to confession. And you're like, uh, yeah. Uh, can you can you wait there three minutes? I have to like talk to this person after yep. mass, yep. And, and then you get the opportunity because Father, you have another priest there to to pray after mass and like revitalize the heart yes. and relax, and not just like okay, next now, what's next? Yeah. And, and so I think sometimes that that's that's the the experience we have as as priests. Um, I think especially like our schedule, you know, we have an eleven fifteen mass and then we have a one o'clock mass. So there's times when I don't even, I don't even like take my vestments off in between masses. You go right from the eleven fifteen right into the one. Uh, and so now with another priest, like that, that, that kind of goes away. There'll be days when that will happen. But anyway, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, and, and there's a lot, there's work to be done in, in us. So let's give people some resources. We've okay. got a few minutes couple, left here. A couple resources. There is a mass and adoration uh, companion made by Tan Publishing. It's produced by uh, Vinnie Flynn and his family. It's a really great book. There's wonderful little prayers in it. There's the prayer of how to, pre- how to prepare for Holy Mass. Like St. Thomas Aquinas says, Almighty eternal God, behold, I come to the sacrament of your only begotten Son of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love this line. As one sick to the physician of life, as one unclean to the fountain of mercy, 
as one blind to the light of eternal brightness, as one poor and needy to the Lord of heaven and earth. And he goes through of this beautiful prayers. Uh, and they've put this together for the people of God. Uh, even Aaron's got one in here. It says, let me leave here different because you are within. Move inside Ooh. me until there is no darkness to keep me from seeing as you see. Eradicate the fear, the self-love, and everything that takes me away from you until there is only one light, until I trust you completely, until I love like you. So these beautiful prayers that we can do before Mass to, to start to formulate the mind of like, why, why am I here? Yeah. And then even after Mass, there's uh, from St. Wow. Faustina's diary in here, there's also some stuff. It's like, I give you my whole being. Oh, Jesus, continue to grant me your divine life. Let your pure and noble blood throb with all its might in my heart. I give you my whole being. Transform me into yourself and make me capable of doing your will in all things and of returning your love. May your pure and omnipotent love be the divine force of all my actions. Tan so Publishing. These are all available. I mean, yeah, you can Google that and, and uh, print it and bring it with you to Mass uh, to, to, to get there a little early. Or, or even, you know, you're driving with your family on your way to Mass. Like, pray that together as a family in the car, in the parking lot, and then come in. Get it all together. Or give everybody a copy and, and then come in and really pray that before before Mass as a, as a means by which to prepare. So I know as priests, we try to, and it doesn't always happen, but to have, I, I like to have uh, a, a, just a little, a little silence before Mass begins. It gives me a chance, okay, what, what, what are my intentions? What am I praying for? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, exactly. Have we thought through everything? Okay, do is my do, are the books in the right place? My mic on? Do I have my homily? Do I have a mic? You know, am I wearing the right color? <laughs> you know, all of those kind of things. Um, that th- you just have that moment to say, okay, Lord, here here we go. May we may we praise you with all our all our heart, mind, and soul. But and I know that's harder in the in the in the family setting. You're, you're corralling kids. You're but to get to mass as early as you can, correct, is a good thing. Yes, to have that that quiet. But then I think even after mass, and this is where I think I know I can speak for my own parish, we do not do a good job when mass is over. Um, your options are two: either stay in the church quietly and pray, or, or leave. Like leave, leave the leave the nave, leave the church. The standing in the church after mass and talking is no good. It's no good. And I've had been in some uncomfortable situations lately in the last couple weeks where I, I kind of have placed an emphasis on this, where I'm like going back and I see people praying, and two feet over, there's people standing there having a, a conversation about where we're going to lunch, and and so I'm I'm now going in and saying. Can we let's please take our conversations outside? Oh, nice! But meanwhile, I just that sh- that shouldn't happen. Um, so either either stay and and pray uh, a prayer of thanksgiving, or let let other people <coughs> let other people do that. Yeah, that's uh, it's important to do yep. to stop and take some time of thanksgiving to the Lord. Yeah. So that's how w- one of the ways in which individuals and as families we can re- rekindle this Eucharistic amazement, so that, and I think that, uh, to make this point too, like that what. The way we 
the way our bodies are, it helps us to pray and believe. Correct. And so if you tr- if you just sort of walking around in there, like n- like no one's there and, and and Jesus isn't alive, then that's going to start to become what you believe. What well, uh, Lex Orande, Lex Corende, yeah. is that what it is? Yeah. <coughs> okay. So the it, way we pray yeah. is the way we believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's some things you can do in the car too. Like you can maybe even listen to like Pints with Aquinas, Father uh, Bishop Robert Barron, and and uh, what's his name, Matt Frad. Matt Frad did yeah, that episode some, on great, the Eucharist. Yeah, great stuff. There's some really yeah. great talks by Father Mike Schmitz on the Eucharist on from the this past year's seat conference. I highly recommend that. As we learn more things, then they start to change the way we operate, the way we pray. Now we have words, to, and then what's beautiful is you get to teach your children. Remember that time there was those kids sitting in the front row and the six-year-old was telling the three-year-old, you told me about this. And he says, look, that's Jesus. Yeah. And how did he kid get that? Kid to kid, yeah. Kid to kid. From their parents. Beautiful. He's teaching his little brother about the consecration in the Eucharist. Eucharistic amazement in a six-year-old that... We adults oftentimes don't have. And we're all supposed to become like little children to enter the kingdom of God. That's amazing. Yes. Okay, so read up on the Eucharist. More importantly, go pray. And go to confession. And then if you're having some trouble with belief, say to say to God, Lord, help my unbelief. Ooh, yeah. And, and I then, do believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. And and let that let that sink in. All right, we're the Pastors of Pain. Listen uh, as a podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple. Pastors of Pain webpage. Be. And uh, we'll see you next week. God bless you.